Well, I hope that uh, over the past couple weeks, as you've gone through celebrating Christmas and now New Year's, can you believe it's 2020? I hope uh, that that is still your prayer today, that uh, you can recognize that, guess what? Uh, your God is more powerful uh, than you have uh, probably ever given Him credit for. I know it's one of those things that I, I, as much as I say and do, I still don't give Him credit enough for as powerful and as true as He's been in my life. So I hope that you've been blessed by worship today. And uh, I hope that uh, you have uh, enjoyed here. And I want to thank you so much for taking the opportunity here to be uh, part of uh, the very first Sunday of 2020 here at Discover Church. It's so great. And I just want to ask, can you will you pray with me? over uh, this message today and ask uh, that the, the Spirit would open our hearts and our minds together as we get into God's Word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you uh, so very much, Father God, for all that you've done for each and every one of us, Father, for this time of worship today, Lord. Lord God, we ask that you would uh, just help to speak to us today as your people, that you would uh, prepare our hearts and minds for your word today, Father, and that uh, you will prove yourself true through your word today. Father, we just want to thank you. We ask all that in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen, amen. So, uh, so here's my question this morning. How many of you, uh, you did the brave thing? You stayed up till midnight the other night to welcome in a new decade. How many of you did? Did any of you? All right. A fair amount of you. How many of you said it was still here when I woke up the next day? That's, and that, that's okay too. That's all right too. I know it's, uh, it's hard to believe though, isn't it? That, uh, here we are in 2020. It's a new, a new decade, you know, um, my wife uh, made me feel real old the other day uh, when she told me that she seen uh, a post or something on Facebook, and uh, it said, and just like that, 1990 was 30 years ago. And I was like, yes, awesome. Yeah, that, that makes you feel good, doesn't it? I know you wanted to hear that encouragement this morning. I know you did. But I just wanted to take a little bit of time this morning just to, to kind of celebrate with you because whether this is your very first time with us, and if it is, uh, we're so excited that you're here with us. And if this is your first time, one of the things we'd love to ask you to do is you got that worship guide when you came in, and on the inside of that is a connection card. We'd love if you take the opportunity to fill that out today, or if you've never filled that out before and you've been here in the past, uh, you can come see my wonderful wife at the end of service. She'll be uh, standing out in the entrance there. We have a gift we'd want to give to you just for being here today for as a first time just to say that but uh, if this isn't your first time here maybe you've been with Discover Church for a while I wanted to give you a, a little bit of a report uh, here at the beginning of today just to kind of celebrate because we came through uh, uh, 2019, and, and 2019 was a, an incredible year. I hope it was an incredible year for you and your family, but it was really uh, an incredible year for us here at Discover Church, because I just wanted to give you a, a little bit of some of the celebration so we could celebrate today all that happened last year. And and, and so some of the things that happened uh, last year is, is as a church, we were able to feed uh, more than 200 people. That's more than 50 families. We were able to help more than 75 students with school supplies for of the year. Uh, we were able to help families for Christmas. We were able to sponsor children in Africa. We were able to, to between outreach and benevolence, spend around $4,000 in our community locally here, pouring back into things that are happening here. But it doesn't stop there. Like, that's just some of the things. That's like just like a drop in the bucket of what happened last year, because last year, one of the other really awesome things that happened is through our partnerships with the uh, ARC organization, which stands for the Association of Related Churches. It is a uh, group of churches collectively that work together to help plant other churches and through our ministry with the Church of God. Uh, we were able to uh, help 
over, uh, with over $8,000 in support to help plant new churches. That, just to give you an idea what that means, that's 65 churches were planted last year in the United States alone through those organizations that, that you were able to be a part of that. And the really awesome part, and this is great, right? So that sounds cool, right? 65 churches were able to be planted last year, right? That's cool, right? But the part that I love is that last year, just through those churches alone, over 800 people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior because of that. And that's awesome. That's an incredible thing. And, and listen, these aren't like far off places. Like these aren't churches in like distant things, you, you know, in, in California or Colorado or places like we did plant churches there. But guess what? We helped to plant a church in Salisbury last year. We helped to plant a church in Columbia, Maryland, just on the other side of the bridge. And we were able to help when we moved to a permanent location, praise God. We were able to help another church that's going to be starting in Seaford this year with some of our equipment and stuff like that. Those are all things that happened uh, through your generosity and through your through your giving and obviously like I said you know one of our big things as a church we did is we moved to a permanent location everybody that was on the setup team says praise the Lord for that right I was gonna say just for grins and giggles today if you look out in the parking lot I did bring the church trailer but that's not for anything we're not packing up okay uh, it's just because we were gonna load some Christmas stuff up out of the church today but we were able to move to a permanent location we were able to see uh, multiple family dedications happen this this year. Uh, not only that, but we had people come to Christ for the first time. We've seen families uh, brought together. We've seen families set free out of uh, out of some, some issues and bondage that they had in their lives this year. We've seen restoration and lives changed. And I hope that if you're part of that, like if you say, yes, our family was part of that restoration and lives changed, uh, I hope that you uh, have been blessed by 2019. But one of the things that I'm super excited about is the fact that it's not going to end there really for us. You know, we're going to launch forward into 2020 and we have some incredible things happening. And uh, one of the things that I like, uh, like, Tom was talking about, I want to encourage you on Tuesday night, we're only going to do this one night a month. Tuesday night, we're having encounter nights. And uh, so it's just an opportunity for us uh, to come and to worship together as a family. It's going to be a really great opportunity for that. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I have happen uh, every year, uh, I kind of have kind of like a, a word or like a, a theme that I have in my life for, for the year, right? And, and it kind of helps direct my thought and focus. It's something I pray about. About, ask God to kind of speak into me. I don't know if you guys have anything like this that happens in your life, but one of the things that kind of my word for this year for 2020, uh, the word that kept coming to me was deeper, was deeper. And, and so, you know, for, for those of you who might not know, well, what does deeper mean? You know what I mean? What does that mean? So one of the things for me that it means personally, that it means that I, I want to have a deeper walk with God personally. I want to take the opportunity to get into his word even more and, and to pray more and to worship more. And so, uh, so we're going to have the opportunity. I'm going to make that part of my priority. But I also think for us as a church, uh, deeper really means something, right? So one of the things that we're going to do this year 
We've never done this before. We're a little over two years old now. We've never taken this opportunity to really do this, but we're going to take 2020 to be a year through the Word. So we're going to take the opportunity. That this doesn't mean that we're going to go verse by verse or anything like that, but we're going to be really be taking a look at God's Word and how we can as individuals, how can we as families, and how as we as a church, how can we grow deeper getting into God's Word and really kind of uh, planning ourselves in what He has for us and, and for our lives, right? And, and so uh, to kind of kick this off, I wanted to get into this uh, series that we're calling the Bible for grown-ups. And the Bible for grown-ups is, is something that I, I've uh, kind of come by. This is part of a message series that I had heard. I thought it was great. We're going to do a little bit of expanding on that. But really, uh, the reason I think this is critical for us, because in order for us to grow deeper, I think we have to have a better understanding of God's Word. Okay, And that doesn't mean just what the verses are and what they say, but we need to have a little bit of a sense on where this thing here, the Bible, where did this come from? How did we get this? Because I know for you and, and for me, maybe you know you pick up the Bible and as you walk around with it, you, you say, well, here it is. You know, we, we've, we've already got it and chaptered in verses and, and it's mapped and annotated, but I, I got news for you. This is not how the Bible came to be. Jesus didn't just descend to heaven one day and all of a sudden the disciples had their books leather bound and everything chapter noted and mapped and indexed right? That's not how it came. So we're going to take a little bit of a look at that because, you know, I think we need to get in to know how the, the Word of God was put together so that way when we find cool stuff in it, and there's some really cool stuff in it. In fact, I, some of the coolest stories, you, you maybe have like your favorite cool story, but a couple of cool stories that I thought of when I was thinking of like great stories out of the Bible that maybe we don't talk about it, uh, very often or if at all uh, was, was, you know, you have Jesus. There's a story of Jesus and the disciples needing some money. Uh, to pay taxes, right? So what's he do? He's got, what does he got? He's got a bunch of fishermen for disciples, right? So what does he tell them to do? Go fishing. Not to catch the fish, but because what's he have? The fish got money in their mouth, right? How many of you would go fishing more if you found out that fish are going to have money in their mouth? I know I would. I don't like to fish, but I, I'd like to fish if all of a sudden I was going to pull them out and they're going to start having money in their mouth. Or you find uh, the Bible, we have stories about people getting into arguments with donkeys and losing, okay? Uh, or, or one of my all-time favorite stories of the Bible, and this is the Old Testament one, where, uh, where you find the prophet Elijah, and he has kids that are arguing with him, and they're taunting him because he's some of us can relate to this. And what does he do? He calls out bears and chases the kids out. And I'm like, don't mess with a bald man, okay? Especially a man of God that's bald because guess what? You never know. Bears might come after you, okay? So, so those are some of the cool stories I thought of the Bible, you know. But for, for many of us, right, we hear these stories and we know them, but we don't really understand where they came to us from. Or maybe you've had a really difficult walk in your life as far as your walk in faith because you've read some of the stories of the Bible, but your just knowledge of life and the Bible, just they don't feel like they match up. They just don't feel like they could possibly be the same. And, and so we, you maybe know this like I do. You know, you've known people, uh, even maybe you yourselves, that have walked away from faith because they're trying to figure out how to have this this book that's supposed to be, they've been told is true and accurate, and how, how do we know that, or, or how can these stories even possibly be that way? So we're going to take a look with the Bible for grown-ups on what is it, how did we get this book, and how exactly did we get into it? So we're going to do that. I don't know if you remember your first Bible. Uh, I do remember my first Bible. In fact, I, 
I kind of started to look for it because I know I have it somewhere, but I also, uh, if you've ever come over, uh, I have a lot of Bibles. It's kind of one of those things. That you're like, you're a pastor, you're supposed to, I know, but I kind of collect Bibles for some reason. It's just kind of happened. I don't know why. But uh, my first Bible, though, was white. How many of you ever had the, the all-white covered Bible? It was pleather bounds, right? That's the real high-quality pleather stuff. Had the name engraving on the front, right? You know, uh, words of Jesus, of course, have to be in red, and mine was cool because it had illustrations in it as well. So, it, uh, you know, it had that opportunity. So, you know, and and maybe you were like me, and, and when you got your Bible, uh, you know, you had, uh, maybe your grandmother gave it to you, or somebody from a church gave it to you, or somebody in your family, and they're like, here you go, here's the Bible, and you're like, oh, great, and you know, you had your name in it, you were super excited about it, but then, you know, you were told that everything in here is true, right, and you believed it, that everything was true, why? Because an adult told you, and because that's what you do, you just kind of believed, and you just had kind of had that thought process, but you never really thought uh, about how it came to be, you know, and, or maybe one of the things that you had was you had somebody that came along, whether it was in high school or college, and told you what else the Bible says, right? Maybe there was somebody who pointed out something in the Bible that you never learned in Sunday school or from VeggieTales, right? How many of you learned some Bible stories from VeggieTales? I was going to say, don't make me start singing the theme song, all right? I love me some VeggieTales. But, you know, somebody maybe come along and ask you, you know what I mean? Uh, what about this in the Bible? Or they would throw a, a portion of a scripture out, and you would sit there and go, well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. You, you wondered about all these things, you know, and, and maybe this caused you to doubt your faith or walk away, or maybe you know somebody else. But we're really going to take a look this morning at how it all came together, and you're going to find that the Bible did not come together maybe in the way that you would think it is at the beginning, but really the Bible kind of comes together at the end of the middle. And I know that doesn't make much sense to you, but we're going to get there uh, today. And we're going to be actually talking, if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be looking in the book of Luke this morning, because we're going to actually be talking about Luke, because in Luke, we have this first century doctor. Obviously, that means he's an educated person. And we find that Luke gives us a little bit of an insight on who, why, and how this thing called the scripture, the Bible, how it came to be. See, Luke actually spent time documenting uh, Jesus' life because uh, he had uh, a rich friend, uh, Theophilus, or Theophilus, or however you want to say his name. I don't speak Greek very well. And, uh, and you would see that he followed Jesus. He wanted an account of Jesus. And so since he wanted an account of Jesus, he has Luke actually start to make what becomes known as a, to us now as the book of Luke. But we're going to read here a little bit out of the beginning in Luke chapter 1. Maybe you've never paid attention to Luke chapter 1 at the beginning, but we're going to today. Here's what it says. It says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled okay, among us. And then it says, Just as they were handed down to us by those from those who first were eyewitness of the servants of the word. Now you say, well, what does this mean? Basically, this means this. The very first three words give us a sense here. He says that many have undertaken, so that lots of people have undertaken the opportunity to write about what Jesus did, who he was, and what they saw. So what we have to understand here is this, is that something happened 
Luke says, I'm not the only one doing this, okay? There are other people writing about Jesus. I'm not the only one, but I do. we're just trying to take opportunity and write what Jesus, what his life was and, and what happened. And it says in verse 3, he says, with this in mind, uh, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, my most excellent Theophilus. And he says this, we have to understand this. When Luke was writing these words, and this is going to be hard for some of us to grasp maybe here at the beginning today, but when Luke was writing these words, Luke was not writing the Bible. You say, wait a second, back up, Pastor Curtis, this is in the Bible. Yes, it was, but you got to remember, at this time, there was no Bible because Jesus not that long ago, had just ascended to heaven. He had come back to life, and his disciples had found out all this stuff. There was none of these things. Uh, this was basically for us to document exactly what Jesus had done. And so really what we find is that in the first century, people say, hey, listen, Jesus was not just this good guy that said some great things and died, but there's something more to the story here. And listen, there's, there's multiple documentation beyond Scripture that Jesus was, in fact, a real person, that he lived a life. But, but really what we find here is that it goes a step further because what you're going to read when you read the story of Jesus, right, is at the end of the story of Jesus, what does we find? We find him dead on a cross, right? We find him on a cross, and then what do we find? We find somebody named Joseph of Arimathea who came, and he took Jesus' body down, and he placed him in a tomb, right? We find this, and, and, and as we do this, we, I want to read to you out of Luke again, chapter 23, verse 53. It says this, and then he took him down, he wrapped him in linen cloth and placed him in a tomb cut in a rock, which no one had been laid yet. The important thing for us to understand is that an ordinary dead man does not need a book written after him. But something happens here. It continues on in verse 55. It says, Then uh, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. So then they went home and they prepared spices and perfume. And then they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Now you say, well, why did they have spices and perfume? Because they were going to do the same thing that we do nowadays. When somebody dies, what do we do? We take them, we send them to be embalmed, right? So that they can be prepared for burial. So they, they can be prepared. They did the same thing in ancient times. So what they would do is they would put the body in and then they would come back and prepare the body. So as this all is happening, it, we need to understand that in this moment, guess what? There were no Christians, in this moment, there, there, there was nothing happening. All you had was people who had once followed Jesus that were scared out of their mind who didn't know what to do because guess what? The guy that they had been following for years and years and years, guess what? He was dead. He was in a tomb. So you say, well, what's the point in writing here? Because guess what? Something happens. At this point in time, guess what? There's no Bible. There's no church. There's no Old Testament. There's no book from Luke. Because Luke ends up deciding to write this book because of what happens next. And what happens next is we find that Jesus, of course, comes back to life. He does what no other person has done where he, he comes back and he conquers death. And then beyond that, he actually takes the time and they get to witness and see Jesus ascend into heaven. And all of this, all of this, right, all of this explains 
to you why there were so many people that were taking and writing the account of what Jesus did because it was so amazing, and this is how things happen. In fact, Peter said this in Acts 2.32. It says, God has raised this Jesus to life. And guess what? We were all witnesses to it. We witnessed it. We seen it. And, and because of this, we said, you know, we got to make a documentation of that. We have to know what happened. So now, listen, so, so now after this happens, right, we, of course, in the book of Acts, get the church, and the church gets established. But listen, even when the church is established, there's still no Bible, there's still no Bible. There's still nothing really written. The only thing we have is what the disciples, what the apostles, the 12, right, the ones that walked with Jesus, them teaching the things that Jesus taught. That's what we have happening right now. But what we find out of this is Luke spends the next 30 years writing this down because we find Luke both writing the book of Luke and the book of Acts. He actually takes the time to document this, to document not only what happens in Jesus' life, but he also takes the time to document the beginning of the church and what is happening and, and all the, th the events that are transpiring. And what we find, and, and, and just in case you wonder, like you wonder about like how does all these people, how are they connected? Well, you know, we, we know that Luke, uh, as Luke and Acts, and Luke knew Peter, and he also knew John, and he knew uh, the... Uh, James, who I call James B.O.J., if you don't know what B.O.J. is, that's James, the brother of Jesus, because when you're the brother of Jesus, you got to get some cool acronym at the end of your name, because you're the brother of Jesus, okay? you got to catch a lot of shade from a lot of stuff, so you need a cool acronym at the end of your name. So it's James B.O.J., James, brother of Jesus, but you also see that Luke traveled with Paul, so Luke is in the midst of all of these people who lived and walked with Jesus, who experienced everything that Jesus had done. And, and listen, Luke says, listen, a lot of people are writing about this. And you say, well, what's the big deal about a lot of people writing about Jesus? Well, listen, this is not today. In social media, everybody can whip out a phone and record. We can all record the same event, right? And it's, it, you know, it's the same thing that's happening over and over again, right? But in this time frame, writing something was expensive, not only was it expensive and, and difficult, but guess what? Half the people were illiterate. Nobody could read. So it was one of those things you say, well, why is it so important? Because they knew something extraordinary had happened with this guy named Jesus, that it wasn't just the end of the story when he got placed in the tomb. And we find uh, that Peter, you remember the apostle Peter that walked with Jesus, we find that Peter tells his story to John Mark where we get the book of Mark from. And this is probably where, where you know, scholars kind of debate this a little bit, but one of the reasons they think Peter told his story to John Mark is probably because Peter couldn't read. Remember, he's a fisherman. You don't have much need for reading and writing on a boat catching fish. So we find that Peter, uh, or Mark, knew Luke, and, and it is written in the 50s, which is just after Jesus, or 20 years after the resurrection, we find the book of Matthew as a document written to show everyone about Jesus. And in fact, we find that early church leaders have the book of Matthew written in Hebrew. And you say, well, why is that an important thing? Because one of the things that Matthew did is he wanted to show all the Jewish people who Jesus was. Because the Jewish people were anticipating a Messiah. And Mark says, no, 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 no. You don't have to anticipate this anymore. Listen, this is written in your own language so that you can experience who Jesus is because this is the Messiah that has come. 
then we find that his book of Matthew was translated to Greek so it would spread all over the place. And then you get John. John tells us exactly why he wrote the book of John. In John 20, 30 says this. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Listen, and when John wrote this, he says, Jesus did so much other stuff that we did not even have the opportunity to write. These are just the important things that we need to know about Jesus for right now because there's so much else that happened. And listen, we need to understand that when he says that are not recorded in this book, he's not talking about the Bible. No, no, because remember when he wrote this, there was no Bible. He is literally meaning the book of John, the document that he is writing right now. He says, John says, man, listen, Jesus is so awesome. I couldn't even fit it all in one letter. I couldn't fit it all in there because there's too, there was too much other things that were happening. And in verse 31, he says this. He says, but these are written to you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that you would understand that he's the Son of God, and that by believing that you may have life in his name. One of the things I think that John really set out for here when he wrote this book as the beginning here of what we call the New Testament, right, was John says, listen, it, it, if all you ever get a chance to read is this little, this little letter that I've written, it, it, that wrote, did I say wrote? Man, that's some Sussex County language right there, boy, woo! That's some Sussex County stuff right there. You don't get that. I know some people, you'd have to, you'd have to pay extra to hear words like that. <laughs> But John actually took the opportunity as he wrote this, right? As he wrote this to say, listen, if you can't, if you don't get the opportunity to read anything else or hear anything else about Jesus, this should be enough. This should be enough for you to understand that he is the son of God. Now, this gets us though, right? To the end of the first century and at the end of the first century, guess what? We still don't have a Bible, there's thousands of Christians and churches that have started up from Paul and from all the other apostles as they traveled around. They started up. We have uh, letters, copies of letters that are being made of, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these early, where maybe you have some people that, that have a whole book, right? They have the whole document of Matthew. Or maybe some of them have all of Luke's letter, right? Maybe, but some of them may, may not even have that. Maybe they only have some pieces of it or, or something special there. But imagine, if you can, these early church people that don't have a Bible, right? There's no Bible to be found. There's nothing that's called that. How precious these documents must simply be, right? How precious these words must be to tell them about the Savior that they have faith in, that they believe in. How important this all must be to them. And the only thing that I could do, and, and this is not a really great comparison, but I want to show you this picture here real quick. Hopefully it comes up okay. Now, I, I, this, is, this is a picture that I know it's, it's black and white. Okay, it's old. I think this is 19... 46, 48, somewhere in there. Uh, there's two guys here, and uh, the guy that is going to be on the right there uh, is actually my grandfather. This is John Nevitt Evans, and one of the things that was cool about my grandfather, this is taken in New Jersey after he had just planted a church there uh, around that same time. One of the things that I uh, appreciate, though, uh, about my grandfather, there's a, a lot of things I appreciate about him. In fact, he's probably the most godly man I've ever known in my entire life. 
But one of the things that I, I, I love about him is that he was a pastor and he started churches all over the place and he, he pastored for more than 60 years of his life and he was in churches from uh, Delaware and Maryland and New Jersey all the way to the Dakotas he went because he lost his mind temporarily. He decided the Dakotas were a great place to live and then he had some common sense. He came back to the East Coast. But, uh, but one of the things that, that, that I, I, I love and I appreciate about him is that when he passed away, um, I... Uh, was already a licensed minister and, and working, and so uh, my grandmother gave me a lot of his books and some of his Bibles, and uh, I have a, a handful of them up here. In fact, this is uh, one of his one of his Bibles. This is uh, not as old, not super super old, but this is from the the 60s. And but one of the things that I I, I love to do is is if you take the opportunity to open and flip through these books, he's he's written all in them. He's highlighted stuff. He's noted, I've got whole sermons that he's preached in all these books. And it's the coolest thing to me to think, uh, to, to think, because as, you know, as even as you think back to when he pastored through the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, through this time frame, right? And you say, oh, well, things couldn't have been too bad. To hear the stories that he told of the persecution that he went through in certain communities and certain areas about people who didn't care anything about the gospel and who were going to show him showing up to his house with shotguns, right? I mean, that's like, that's real life stuff that's happening. And so I, I think about his journey and his story and the words that he preached and the things that he said and he spoke, and they're so precious to me, right? But as precious as these words are to me, this is still just my grandfather, so I, I recognize that. But at the same time, imagine if you would, if you had paper from Luke that was copied, that was given to you to describe Jesus, the one that you believed was the savior, your Savior. Who, who, if you can just take a second and, and fathom what it must be like before it was ever bound, before any of these things. These, these documents were, were so valuable to the church. They, they, were, they were reliable because the great part about them is they all had separate authors, but they all matched up. They all lined up. They told the same story about who this man was. They were so important. And, and, and these basically have taken the opportunity because they get to describe to us who Jesus was and the teachings that he had and the things that he said and, and the life that he lived. They've become sacred and inspired to us as the church 270 years before the book was ever put together. This all happened 270 years before what we find is we find the Roman Empire, which obviously, if you're a history buff, I'm a huge history fan, okay? Uh, me and uh, uh, my wife, anytime we go anywhere, I can pretty much guarantee you a museum is in the mix, okay? Like, we're going to go to a museum somewhere. Uh, so if you ever want to go to, like, a certain city and you say, well, where's a good spot? Come hit me up. I'll tell you, okay? Because we've been all over the place. But we find, if you know your, your history a little bit, you find the Roman Empire, right, which is this massive thing that has taken over most of the known world at the time. We find was suspicious of Christians, and one of the things that ended up happening is, is uh, the, the, the Roman Empire, of course, had multiple gods. Of course, we know we had Caesar, right? They kind of treated Caesar basically like a god. And, and the Roman Empire were suspicious of Christians because uh, uh, one of the things that is cool is it's all cool for the Romans if you believe something else, as long as you're still willing to kind of play a little bit of faith or, or face with their faith. You know what I mean? Like you still look, show them a little something, maybe give a little bit into 
offering, maybe, you know, uh, be willing. But Christians were not willing to do this. Christians said, no, listen, Caesar is not God. You know, your other gods, they're not gods. Listen, we believe in Jesus Christ. And in the words of Stevie Wonder, the Romans were very superstitious, okay? They were superstitious. And listen, one of the things that happens, you see this maybe even in your own life, right? That when something bad happens, they were looking for somebody to blame. They're looking for somebody to blame. So what do we find? Who's the easy scapegoat? Well, it's the Christians because they're not following lockstep here with everything else. So what we find is in 303, the emperor Diocletian issues an edict, and he basically issues a state persecution for all Christians where the places that they worship is to be destroyed. You know, uh, they're not allowed to have gatherings, forcing the bishops and the early leaders to recant, and, and for Christians that wouldn't do this to be burned, to be burned. So you had to be real sure of your faith at this point. But through all of this, guess what? The gospel still spread. Hundreds of people lost their lives protecting what would become the, these books, these precious, these precious books that we have at the beginning of the Old Testament. You know, and, and listen, they do this because they knew. They knew something. They knew it was bigger than, than just what it, words on a paper. They knew it was more than that. They knew it was so much more. They understood the value to it. So we find that Christianity spreads, and like most things that happen, we understand this in the U.S. Uh, better than a lot of places, is there was political change, right? Political change came and happened, and by 324, uh, Constantine the Great allowed the worship in churches to happen, and, and Christianity then really spread. It spread like wildfire everywhere. For the first time, by this time, scholars of Christianity, Christian scholars, were actually allowed to kind of come out publicly as to who they were and the documents that they had. Because remember, when they were on persecution, they were burning them and, and just destroying everything they could destroy. So for the first time ever, these people are allowed to come out and allowed to say, hey, well, look, I've got, I've got this original uh, from Luke, and oh, hey, I've got this one from John, and oh, hey, I got this one from Matthew. And they were able to take all of these things and put them together, and they were able to figure out what would become known to us now as our New Testament and how the New Testament, these documents, these letters that were written to, to proclaim exactly who Jesus was. And that's the beginning of how we got this thing called the Bible. I hope today that you were able to learn a little bit through this, and I was hopefully, I'm hoping that through this series that I could kind of take a, a, and show you a little bit of maybe things that you've already wondered and you've questioned but one of the things as I get ready to close today is this, <clears throat> is this, uh, uh, we, we've been doing, since we launched, we've been doing 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year. And, and remember that the whole, uh, my whole kind of thought and theory to this year is deeper. And, and I'm hoping and praying that, that maybe you and your family, that you, you want to go deeper this year. Maybe, maybe this, this morning you're saying, you know, I, we kind of have, have not talked about it yet. Or maybe you have with your family. Just figure, what do you and your family, what are you looking to get out of 2020? And so I, I had a couple questions <clears throat> for you. And you should have gotten this card. <clears throat> you should have gotten this card when you came in. It should have been in your worship guide. If not, you could pick one up to take with you on your way out. But I wanted to ask you a couple questions for some self-inflection today. You don't have to write the answers down. There's no turn in. There's no right or wrong answers. But this is just for you and your family to think about. Out of 21 days of prayer and fasting, 
I asked the first question, and that's this. <clears throat> How will you fast, and when will you pray? Will you actually take the time through now for 21 days, starting today, will you take the opportunity, will you take the time to say, you know what, I'm going to hit the pause button on my year. We're going to go back to school and work. Some of you have had off uh, for, for breaks and stuff. You, you're going to say, you know, listen, hold on. We're, we're going to slow things down just a little bit because how many of you know that you're going to blink about three times and 20, 2020 is going to be gone, all right? You're going to blink about three times. It's going to be all, all over with. But before that happens, before you get caught up in the chaos of life that happens, where you got kids to this thing and, and you got extra work stuff here and you're working overtime and you got this happening here and grandkids are coming over and, and all the stuff that happens in life. Will you take the time at the beginning here to commit to 21 days of praying and fasting? How will you do it? When will you do it? The second question there is this, is what are you hoping to get out of 2020? Here's one thing I've, I've learned, okay? I, I'm not real young, but I'm not real old. I've learned that if you don't plan on anything, nothing will happen. If you don't take the opportunity to put something to pen to paper, if you don't take the opportunity to say, you know what, we're going to set a goal, then guess what? Nothing will ever happen. What is your, what is your goal? What are you hoping to get out of 2020? And then the, set, the next question there is this, is what do you hope to get out or what is going to keep you from that? What's going to keep you from that goal? What is that goal? And listen, don't, don't, I'm not saying, you know, oh, I want an addition on my house. Well, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's go a little deeper than that. Let's go a little bit more personal than that. What is something that you and your family, do you, do you want a, a, a more intense relationship with your spouse? Do you want to grow in relationship with your children deeper, better? Do you want to improve relationship? Do you want to take the opportunity to love the people that are in your community like you've never loved them before? What is it? What are some goals? What is something that you want to see happen in 2020? And what's going to keep you from that? What's going to keep you from that? And then the last question there at the very bottom, and this is just for, again, for thoughts for you to think on, is if you're, if you're not serving, and I, I mean, obviously we'd love for you to be on the go team here at the church, right? But that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if you're not serving one another, what is the thing that is holding you back? What's the thing that's holding you back? I truly believe that if you take the opportunity and you answer some of these questions, you're going to have some revelation happen in your life. I truly believe that if you answer some of these questions that, that God's probably going to start speaking some stuff into your life. Because listen, one thing I know is this, is if you take the opportunity to ask God to be involved in your life, He will be involved in your life. But He's not going to be the one saying, Hello? 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 Because guess what? He's not trying to nag you to death. He wants a relationship. He wants a relationship. One of the things that we're going to do as a church, because we are, our, my goal, our goal, 
is to partner with you and strengthen your family, strengthen the relationships that you have, and strengthen the peoples that you have in your life. So one of the things that we are going to be doing, and we started this morning, if you follow us on Facebook, I want to encourage you to do that because if you follow us on Facebook every day, we're going to post a short devotional video uh, from myself, Amy, and some other people that we have in the church that help us. We're going to post a short video devotion in the morning and just try to encourage you to take the opportunity each day to get into God's Word, to pray, and to read some Scripture, to take the opportunity. And one of the other ways we're going to be helping with that too is we have some paper copies of some devotionals today when you leave here that we want to give out to you. Uh, these devotionals, it, it, it's, it, I didn't, it's not a book, you know, it's not anything super fancy. It's a short uh, scripture from the book of Psalm. And then after that, it just gives you some ideas and some things to pray about and contemplate for the day. And listen, if you've never done this, and this sounds super, super foreign to you, I, I, I want to promise you, if you take the opportunity, if you take the opportunity to jump in on this and set 21 days as the example and the habit for your year, the 2020 is going to have something amazing for you in store. I don't. It doesn't matter the consequence that you find at the end of the year, whether the, all the negative things that you have happened. 2020, you're going to experience something amazing and life-changing that's going to happen this year. Because listen, one of the things that I, I've understood about God as I've walked through my relationship with Him over time is that this, if you take the opportunity to grow deeper with God, all the outside stuff that happens to you is just noise. You know, the unexpected bill, it's just noise. It's just things to distract you from the relationship and the things that God has called you to do in your life. The, the, the relationship issues and, and, and all the other stuff that wants to overtake your life, guess what? It's, it's just noise. It's just noise. Don't let this stuff take you off of what God has called you to do for this year, for this year, for 2020. All the, all the trips and, and all the things that you have planned to do, whether it's work-related or fun, guess what? It's really just noise. It's really just noise. Let's take this time, would you? Let's take 2020 and say, guess what? We're going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper. We're going to get into God's Word. We're going to take the opportunity to set 21 days as the callings for what's going to happen for the rest of our year. I want to ask, would you stand with me today? <clears throat> My wife is going to be at the next step area, um, the table in, at, at the entrance today with the devotions. If you want a devotion, make sure you pick one of those up before you leave. Make sure you take the opportunity to follow us on Facebook. But listen, I'm going to be praying for the next 21 days for God to show up in my life, for him to show up in my family's life. But I'm also including you in that prayer. I'm, I'm praying that God would take the opportunity to do something amazing in you and your life th this, this year. Don't, don't let January slip away before we have this happen. And if you'll take the opportunity, if you want some more information on fasting, we, on the, the last sheet of the devotional we'll hand out, it explains a little bit more about that and some ways that you can fast. If you're willing to take this journey with us in, in three Sundays from now on our 21st day, we're going to break that together as a family with communion here on a Sunday morning. So I just want to pray as we get ready to dismiss today. Lord, Father, I just want to ask, Lord God, that you would be with your people today. Lord, I, I pray that as we got into this, the Bible for Growing Up series today, Father God, that maybe we started unlocking some of the questions 
that some people have had burning, maybe since some people, maybe since they've been very young, Father God. And Lord, I pray right now, Father God, that you would help us to be able to understand and grasp and to hold on to your word today like we never have before so that we can understand that these aren't just chapters and verses father god that there's just it's not just a book that's bound father god but it's telling us a story about the most earth-shattering thing to ever happen to humanity and that's this that there was a man named jesus christ who came and he walked he lived and he died and he died for each and every one of us so that we could have a relationship with you so that we could be called your sons and daughters and father god for this beginning here as we're praying for these 21 days lord god as we take the opportunity to set aside something to fast something to set something off father god so we can have a better relationship with you lord i pray right now that the holy spirit will flood into each car that is here I pray, Father God, that the Holy Spirit is going to flood into homes right now, Father God. That He's going to show up on workplaces. That, Father God, whether you're on a construction site, Father God, or whether you're, you're in your office cubicle, Father God, or Lord God, whether we're in, in our teaching, in our classrooms, Father God, Lord, no matter where we are, whether as students, Father God, that you are going to show up this year, Father God. Lord, we are proclaiming this year the year that we are going deeper, Father God. Father God, that we're ready to get out. Father God, we're going to grow in you, Father God, and plant these roots into you, Father God. Lord, we thank you. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. We thank this. We thank this all for you, Father God. You're the only one, Lord. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Before you leave, I want you to do this. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, are you ready? to go deeper. Be blessed, everyone. We hope to see you Tuesday night at Encounter Night. You're listening to Discover Church with lead pastor Curtis Jones. We kick off January in a new series, The Bible for Grownups. We hope to see you one Sunday at 10 a.m. for our worship experience in Georgetown, Delaware. Thank you.